Good morning. I, I honestly don't know what to say after watching that from this position right here. I, Chicago's there, and I grew up in Chicago, so I'm thinking, my city, they're destroying my city. It's bad enough they did that in number three, right? Well, welcome back to Summer Fun at the Movies. My name is Ben Montgomery, and today, as you saw, we're looking at Transformers 4. The message series itself, as John mentioned, is a chance to take a little bit closer look at movies. Every movie carries a message, whether we realize it or not, and as we watch them for entertainment, they sort of soak in. TV is the same, of course. Over time, we're going to get some messages that do not line up with real life if we're not careful. And so, during the summer, we like to take some time to look at some of these, have some fun. There's some ideas that pop out, some themes. And we look, okay, what does this movie say about this idea? And then what does the Bible say about it? Because the Bible is God's practical manual for everyday life, for real life. And so that's what we're doing here. Unless a message from a movie lines up with the Bible, it is going to send us in the wrong direction. So, here we are. There's no endorsements intended for any of these movies, just themes that really matter to us and make a real difference in our lives. So, there it is, there's the trailer, lots of action, lots of explosions, there's even dinosaur robots. If you're around my age, you may have done what I did as a kid, which was watch the original uh, cartoons. Does this sound familiar? Transformers, robots in disguise. That's what I think of with Transformers. This is like a whole nother level, right? The HNL, whole nother level. I mentioned I grew up in Chicago, gets destroyed. We're going to talk today about real stress, not just watching your hometown get blown up by Michael Bay. We're going to talk about real problems. And in these stories, the Autobots, led by Optimus Prime, has been tasked, they've been tasked basically with protecting Earth from evil alien forces, including the Decepticons. And then in this one, in number four, the humans have decided that they're going to prove that they don't need Optimus Prime. They don't need the Autobots. They've got different reasons for doing that, but a central theme in the movie is that there's some very powerful men who have a strategy that they're going to use to handle things on their own. And it's not a spoiler to say that when you watch in a trailer or some of the other trailers and you see guys saying, we'll make our own Transformers and they'll serve us, you know it's not going to go very well, right? So here we are, and we see the tragic results as they try to execute that strategy. And, and we can think, you know, they have different reasons for wanting to, to set Optimus Prime and the others aside. They've been hurt, right? Or maybe they think the Autobots can't do, any, can't do them any good after all. And some of them, of course, just want the power for themselves. The bottom line, no matter what is, these guys want to rely on themselves. They are determined to depend on themselves. And that's the question today. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with depending on myself? It's very, very normal, right? You do that, I do that. We do it all the time. So, before we jump in, I want to tell you really quickly where we're headed, give you a little bit of the lay of land. There's a couple twists along the way, so I want you to know ahead of time that they're coming. First of all, we'll talk about, again, how I mentioned there's these pressures in life. We want the good life, and we sort of are reaching for it, but we don't always get what we want, and we have troubles from various places that come. And so, we're going to talk about that. Then, we're going to each star, since this is the movies, I like movies, we're going to each star in our own scene in a movie. And I want to warn you, it's a dream sequence. It's a little different. Okay? Well, we're going to do that. I'll, I'll share mine, and I'll invite you to be the star of your scene. And then we'll do some his, history. We'll do a quick historical backdrop to this dilemma that we're facing. And there's a lesson that we'll be able to pull out of that as we see how so many other people have wrestled with the same issue. And then, I want to warn you ahead of time. I, I want everybody to understand this ahead of time. I'm, then I'm going to tell you what I believe is the corniest, cheesiest statement that I can make here today. 
I just want everybody to know that ahead of time. I don't want it to throw you off guard. I think it's going to be the corniest, cheesiest statement that I could make today, and yet, it's true. So you, you be the judge. You may think, ah, not that corny, or terrible, or I can't believe he said that. But I am going to make a statement that is corny and yet true. And I want to invite you today to wrestle with it for yourself. So that's where we're headed. At the very end, as we always do, we're going to look, what can we do practically to take a next step with what we're learning here? The Bible, again, is meant to be practical. It is meant to help us in everyday real life. So we'll look at that at the very end. So here we go. We're going to jump right in. As I mentioned, I want the good life, and I think you do too. And I have different ideas about what that looks like, right? I'm still, still wrestling with that, and, and you have your ideas. But basically, I want the good life. I want peace. And not just superficial, short-term peace, but deep peace. I want joy. I want lasting joy. Not just happiness for an hour on a Friday night or whatever. I want deep peace and deep joy. And I I also, I find that I want to know that things are going to get better. And I don't always feel that way. A lot of times I feel like, man, they're just getting harder and harder. When are they going to get better? Are they really going to get better? Can I really believe that? But I want to. I, I want my kids to do well. We have three kids. Uh, Of course, I want them to grow up and and have really happy lives. Here's another thing that I want, and maybe you can relate to this. I want to put it out there just in the spirit of transparency. I I want recognition and accomplishment, and that's not necessarily a good thing. If I handle that the wrong way, that can take me in a very bad direction very quickly. I want to do things that mean something, that are worthwhile. And not only that, but I want people to to recognize it. He's doing something that's worthwhile. Hey, Ben, you're doing something that's worthwhile. That's just in me, and I've got to figure out how I'm going to deal with that. And maybe it's the same for you. Now, on a side note, in less than two weeks, I'm going to be turning 40. So I talk about wanting to be doing things that are worthwhile and wondering, you know, are things going to get better? It's all in the mix. If you look in the dictionary under midlife crisis, you might see a picture of me. Maybe. I don't know. But there it is. It's all in the mix for me. And as I think about these different things that I want, that I hope I'll get, that I at some level think will make me happy, it's kind of like a scene in a movie. I was thinking about this, like this is like a scene in a movie, but it's a dream sequence, and, and stick with me here. It's, I go into a room and there's a table, and it's covered with all kinds of foods. And all these amazing foods, they all look amazing. And all the different foods represent things that I want. And I'm sitting at the table and I'm reaching for them. If I take them and eat them, then I get that experience that I want. Okay? I'm going to invite you in a second to sit at your own table and, and think about what that looks like for you. So there's some problems as I try to do this, though, in, in my scene. First of all, I eat, and it tastes good, but then I get hungry again so quickly. I thought that I would feel happy about that longer. I got that success at work, or the, you know, this, this relationship was better for a while. I thought it would make me feel better for longer. I get hungry. Right? Another thing is, I reach as far as I can. I mean, I really reach, and I just can't get everything that's on the table. Some of it is out of reach. And then, worst of all, maybe, is that there are other people at this table, and you know what they're doing? They're eating things that I want to eat. They're experiencing things in life that I think will make me happy, that I want. So there's the scene. And now I invite you in. What is something that's weighing on you? There's some questions we're going to throw up here. Is there something weighing on you? Because we all want the good life and we all face pressures along the way. Maybe there's something come up you don't know how it's going to work out. Maybe you think it'll be okay, but it's going to be so much work to get there. Or maybe there's people and you're thinking, I, I think this could work, but 
these people will probably try to stop me or they'll be getting in the way. Okay? Maybe there's a problem that you wish you could fix, something in your life right now. Or better yet, undo. If you could take something back, maybe that's where you're at right now. And maybe there's a deeper longing inside of you, something that you're realizing, wow, I really want this and I haven't gotten it and I'm not sure how this is going to work out. Maybe there's just some thing or some experience you want, right? New iPhone coming in the fall probably, Samsung Galaxy S, new car, a vacation to Hawaii. Maybe it's just something like that. That Right now, that's on your mind a lot. So I invite you to choose one, something that you're thinking will make you happy, that you really want right now. And imagine yourself at this table and try to picture in your mind's eye that, that thing. And, and I want to ask you, can you, can you reach it? Right? How far away is it? Are you going to be able to get it? Or is it something that you probably think, you know, you'll never get, and yet you want it? Okay? Now, if you have it in your mind's eye, here's the catch. You may have already realized this, but that's only one thing. That's only one. And we're already saying how many we want. We could get that one thing that we're focused on right now. There's still so many more that at some level we want. Experiences. Fixes to problems, better relationships, stuff, right? The point of all of this is we cannot live the good life on our own. We cannot live the good life on our own because, first of all, we can't get all those things that we want. We stretch and stretch. We cannot get them. We get some, but not all. And then, secondly, deep down, we know that we won't find happiness that way. We want to tell ourselves that we're the one exception, right? You think about the lottery. I see people playing the lottery and they win and they have all this money and then nothing good comes of it. It's a disaster for them. What do I think? I think I am the one who could handle that properly. If it happened to me, it would be great. It would not be an issue. None of those things would be an issue. That's what I think. I want to be the exception. And I'm guessing that in certain ways you think you could be the exception too. But deep down we know those things will not give us what we really want. Well, we've certainly tried to get it all on our own, right? To get happiness on our own. When I was in college, my first quarter, I took calculus. So I'm 19 years old. I'm taking calculus. And I came across what honestly is probably a moral dilemma. I was in class. Class was at 1 p.m. every day. And you know what the problem was with that? It was right after lunch. I would go and eat lunch. I'd eat a big lunch. And then I would sit in class and fall asleep. And this became a terrible moral dilemma for me. How can I fall asleep every day in class in front of the professor? That's very disrespectful. If you're asleep now, don't worry. No problem. I can't. Uh, no problem at all. But I thought, what am I, I going to do about this? This is a major problem. I have to solve it. I was 19 years old. I had about that much good sense. I said, I know exactly what I'll do. This will be the perfect solution. I will stop going to class. Then I'll never be there to fall asleep in front of the professor and disrespect him in that way. Maybe by not going, but not by falling asleep in front of them. Well, as you can guess, I did not master the material very well. And eventually there was a test. And so then I had another problem to solve. And I could do this on my own too. I decided, okay, the test is tomorrow. I'm going to have to study really hard. I'm going to have to stay up really late. I'm going to have to do something that I've never done before, but I'm sure will work. I'm going to have to take no-dose caffeine pills in order to study for this exam. If you don't know what no-dose is, please don't worry about it. It's caffeine pills. Don't ever take them. There's other things, I'm sure, monster drinks or whatever, but in my day, that was a trendy and, and goofy thing that college students would do sometimes, and I had never done it, and I took those pills, and let me tell you, it's very difficult to study when your hands are like this. 
It's just a whole different experience. And what also makes it hard is when your roommate and your buddies are coming in and out checking up on you. Hey, man, how you doing? How's the studying going? And then they're doing the only sensible thing a friend would do when someone is shaking like this while trying to study the night before. They laugh at me. Oh, great friends. Well, that was the worst class I ever got in college. And guess what? I did it all on my own. I used all my own ideas and my own efforts, and it went not very well. So there you go, a little story about how we do this over and over again in different areas of our lives. Again, we cannot live the good life on our own. We can't have the good life without God. Here's another way to think about it. We can't set aside the source of all goodness and expect good things. We can't shrug off the one who gives purpose and meaning to life and then expect to find it somewhere else. We can't forget God's goodness to us in the past and then expect His peace as we face the problems in the present and in the future. It just doesn't work that way. We all face pressures when we try to get the things we want, experiences, things, second chances, when we try to get these things our way without factoring God in, without pursuing life with Him, we never win. Take a look at Psalm 127, 1 and 2. It puts it on the bottom shelf for me. Easy to get. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. So you could build a house. You could be really good at it. You could do everything exactly the way you think it should be done. And when you walk into the house, you're putting yourself in danger. It's not well constructed if God's not in it. And, and you've wasted your time. You've done it in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. Are you the greatest soldier, the most diligent, strong, accomplished, experienced skilled watchman, if God is not watching with you, it doesn't matter. You're wasting your time. You don't have what you really need. And then he says, in vain, you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. If you're thinking, what do I need to do all on my own? All on my own. I'm not talking about being proactive, taking responsibility for yourself, right? Taking care of the things that God has given you to take care of. But, but, I'm talking about doing things through your own effort only, figuring that you'll just not deal with God on this one and you'll push through. If you're thinking, what do I need to do? What more effort can I put in on my own to do this? You're asking the wrong question. The question is, what do I need to do to please God here? Because he grants sleep to those he loves. Now, if we go back to the table that we were imagining ourselves at earlier, you know, everybody's at the table, and some people ignore God completely, right? They never heard of God, or they figure God is not real, or they think, I've tried God, it didn't work, or there's, there's any number of variations to this, and I did this myself for many, many years. At a certain point, it was like God said, you know what, you're trying to get all these things that you want, you're reaching and reaching, you're at the wrong table. You'll never get them sitting here. You need to come over to my table. And then some of us, some of us have met Jesus Christ face to face. We've realized we can't live life without him. We've realized that the sacrifice that he made is what we need to have a real relationship with God. And then by following him and letting him be the boss, we can make progress in life the way God has designed life to go. Some of us have done that. We say that God is in charge, and yet we still struggle to live that out. One step forward, two steps back two steps forward, one step back. It's still a struggle. I know it is for me. We're at the right table, but we're trying to serve ourselves. 
Okay, there's different ways we do this, right? We forget God's past help. And then it's hard to believe that he's going to come through for us in what we're facing right now. We believe lies instead of the word of God. It's another way we do that. We focus only on what is temporary, what is pressing, instead of what really matters long term. And another one, which is a classic for me and perhaps for you as well, is I just, I just chase after what I want and then expect God to cater to me. God, I have a great plan, and if you will just do things exactly the way I see them here right now, I will have great faith in you. How does that sound? Well, of course that doesn't work. God is God, I'm not. But we still have that impulse. We still have to figure out how am I going to do this His way when I want so badly sometimes to just go for what I want in my way. If any, I don't know if any of you guys are really good at cooking, but it's kind of like trying to take the place of a great chef. At one time when I was at USC, a student from Japan was there. His mom came over from Japan and they invited me out to dinner. And, you know, I had a little bit of a relationship with him and they wanted to take me out. And I will never forget this evening. He, they took me out. And first of all, she had just gotten him a new BMW. And he was, he was telling his dad on the phone, oh, it's okay, it's kind of a low-end model. And I was thinking, hey, we could trade. I, I'm into vintage cars. I've got a 95 Saturn that I will give you for this BMW. Okay? We get to the restaurant. It's amazing. It's either in Beverly Hills or near there. We go in, and the waiter, waiter's kind of rude. It's kind of like, you're lucky to be here. And I found out later, he was right. He was right. I was so lucky to be there. Sit down, look at the menu. They're like, okay, Ben, we want you to get whatever you want. We're glad you're here. It's on us. What do you want? I have no idea. I love Japanese food, but at these price points... I'm thinking, I will, I'll order a glass of water. I, I'm good with that. It's like, I don't know, $10. No, I don't know. They look at the menu. There's something called omakase, if I remember correctly. Omakase means leave it to us. It's chef's choice. Leave it to the chef. Leave it to me. Let me take care of you. And they say, well, let's get the chef's choice. But there's three of them. And the waiter says, which one do you want? One is very expensive. And one is very, very expensive. And then the last one is unbelievably expensive. And I can't believe I'm, I'm even getting a chance to look at this menu, honestly. I'm like, this is such a strange experience. I'm going to remember this for a long time. And here we are. At the same time, the waiter says, which one do you want? At the same time, the mom and the son say, the big one. So we all got the most expensive thing on the menu. And we put our hands in the chef's. We put ourselves in the chef's hands, and he brought us some of the most amazing food I've ever had in my life. And let me tell you, you don't know what it's like until you've experienced it. We have to leave God in charge. It's got to be chef's choice as we try to move through life. We have to choose that again and again and again. Once, once and for all, and then again and again and again. You can't make sushi like that. I can't, right? You can't get those ingredients. I don't have a restaurant. I don't have years of training. I mean, it was incredible. And that's what it's like when we see God come through for us, not on our agenda, but in the ways that only He could, in His infinite wisdom, plan for us. But we have to cooperate, right? So how do we do that? It just, it just doesn't come very naturally to us, does it? I mean, it's hard. Well, fortunately, we're in good company. People have been wrestling with this for thousands of years. Since the beginning, basically. People have been wrestling with this. Now we are at the historical part of today's talk, and I want to remind you again, there's something very corny and very cheesy coming, but true, but it's coming later. But this is the historical part. 
I'm going to throw some, there's going to be some references up on the screen. You can check those out later. I encourage you to do that. Read through for yourself and see what you think. They're very long passages, so I'm just going to summarize them. At the very beginning, if we go all the way back to Genesis 1 through 3, we see that God was providing the most amazing life possible. That was his plan. And in fact, even though the world is broken now, that is still his intent to offer us the best kind of life. And when he made people, he gave people the choice. You get to choose. I don't want robots to say they love me. I want people to choose on their own whether they'll follow me or not. Because that gives the relationship meaning. And so people had a choice, and they chose the one thing. They chose to do the one thing that they were told not to do. When they did that, sin entered the world, and we see the results all around us. We feel it in our hearts. We see it in the way people treat us. We see it in the way the earth causes trouble for us. It's earthquakes, drought, all kinds of things. We see it in so many different ways. Now, what kind of people would throw away everything and the best relationship they could ever dream of for the one thing they couldn't have? The same kind of people that are here today, you and me. We're in good company. Now, if we fast forward... We go into the book of Exodus and you see that God is gathering a people for himself and he's rescued them. They're slaves, they were in terrible bondage and he brought them out and he showed incredible power. He showed his incredible goodness again and again and he was very patient with them. They they were slow to learn sometimes the things he was trying to teach them. And then at a certain point, and you can check this out later in Leviticus 26, he made an agreement with them which I think, honestly, is so shocking and yet so logical He made this agreement with them and he laid it out very clearly for them. He said, on the one hand, if you follow me, I'm God, your people, you will be my people. If you follow me, I will bless you beyond belief. All the things that you need for the best kind of life will be there for you. You won't have to fear anything. And not only that, but I will be there with you. I will walk among you. However, if on the other hand, you don't follow me if, as one translation says, that your soul abhors my rules. If you hate my rules, you turn your back to my rules and don't follow me, you will face more and more complete disaster. You'll panic. You'll run when you don't even need to run. They'll be wasting disease. Your enemies will conquer you. They'll destroy your cities. They'll devastate the land. Whereas before, if you would follow me, you'd have more food than you could possibly eat. If you don't follow me and you keep going long enough, there will be chances to turn back. If you keep doing this long enough, you'll get so hungry that you'll eat your children. He actually said that. And then, after generations and generations, some good kings of Israel, lots of very bad kings of Israel, and people are generally following along with the kings, after generations of ignoring God, the disaster came just the way he said it would. And you can look at that in 2 Kings 25, 2 Chronicles 36. And all the horrible details were there. The king was captured. They brought his sons in in front of him. They made him watch while they killed his sons. Then they blinded him. Then they took him off as a trophy prisoner. Rounded up all the leaders, killed them all. Took the other people into captivity, away from their homes. And destroyed, burned down the city, burned down the temple, took all the treasure out of the temple. Now what kind of people would ignore God like this, even in the face of such terrible consequences? The same kind of people that are here today, you and me. Now, 
when we face hard times, whether we are the direct cause of it or whether we're caught up in the midst of something that's whirling around that's bigger than us or we just can't figure out why, no matter why those hard times are coming, when we face them, God wants to use the pressure, the struggle, and the trouble for good. He wants to use it. His hope is that we will turn back to Him. He wants to draw us back to Him. And there's an amazing passage in Lamentations which was written as a response to this terrible, terrible, terrible destruction. And the first couple of chapters are saying how terrible everything is, how horrible it is to have watched it, to have experienced it, how the city is no more, how these terrible, you know, really just shocking things have happened, just like God said they were. Why has it happened? Why have you abandoned us? And then, in the middle of chapter 3, the writer has a perspective that is so helpful for us, even though we don't face things nearly that terrible. This is what it says. Lamentations 3, 21 to 26. And then there's some other verses after that as well. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. All of these terrible things have happened. It looks like complete disaster. The worst possible thing I could have imagined has happened. And not only that, but we knew it would happen. And we caused it to happen by our disobedience. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. We could have been completely gone, and yet we're not. We have a chance to turn to God and watch Him redeem this. We are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And then, he, then he's thinking about it. He says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. What do I need? Where am I going to get what I really need, what I really want from God? The Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for Him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in Him, to the one who seeks Him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. I invite you to check out the entire passage. I'm going to skip right now to verse 40. He says, Let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. And that's, that's the kind of perspective that gives us real help with the problems we face in real life. God is what we need. And He never fails. And he has all the power needed to take care of us. He loves us more than anyone else ever could. He knows exactly what's going on and how life actually works. And he has eternity in mind. He has the big picture in mind. So as he helps us with the details of our lives, he is also planning something eternal. Such a big picture victory. And it's very hard for us to see that. And yet he's doing that and he's inviting us to get glimpses of that as we obey him. The fulfillment that we long for as we chase after things and struggle through the experiences of life. God's the one who gives us that fulfillment. All right, now, it's time, and you can decide for yourself what you think of this next statement. I think it is the corniest, cheesiest statement I could say today, and yet it's true, and I want you to wrestle with it, to not just groan on the inside or groan out loud or whatever it is that you feel like doing. You're, you're free to do that, but wrestle with this. See what you think of this. Here it is. When you consistently turn to God instead of ignoring or forgetting Him, you can be transformed. You can be transformed. Okay? There, I put it out there. I, I took a swing. But it's true. There's a quote from the movie. Uh, Mark Wahlberg's character, he's the main character, he says to Optimus Prime, you've got to have faith, Prime. Maybe not in who we are, but in who we can be. 
Well, that is just another way of relying on ourselves. That's not how it actually works. A better quote would be something like, we can have faith in God to make him who he wants us to be. He can transform us. And so what's wrong with relying on myself? It doesn't give me what I actually need. Now, we've had this historical backdrop, and it's all pointing in the direction of one man, God himself, Jesus Christ. And look at what he says. He says the exact same thing. He puts it on the bottom shelf for me, too. In John 15, 5, he says, I'm the vine, and you're the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You're created to bear fruit for good things to come out of your life. And yet, they will never come out of your life if you're separated from me. That's what he's saying. But if you remain in me and I remain in you, if we are walking through life together, you accept what I offer and let me be your Lord, your boss. Then, good things will come. You will bear much fruit, the kind of life you really want. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And what kind of people does Jesus offer this incredible grace and power to? The same kind of people that are here today. He offers it to you. He offers it to me. So, the question that we start to wrap up is, what story do you want to tell? What story do you want to tell with your life? And you could get to the end and Say something like, you know what? Didn't really turn out the way I hoped it would. Not feeling very happy about it, but you know what? I did it by myself. I had all kinds of problems, but I chose those problems myself. I did it myself. Is that the story that we want to tell? No. And we could tell a story where we tried it our own way and didn't get the joy and the peace that we hoped for. We could tell a story where we fought. It was really a struggle. We really fought. And yet at the end... It was a waste. It was a wasted, foolish fight. Or you could be telling a story at the end that you fought the good fight and you were transformed to be more and more like the king, like Jesus himself. So I ask you, are you reaching across the table, straining on your own? When are you going to stop doing that? It's very hard. I do it. Repeatedly. When are we going to stop doing that? How about today? I'm going to invite the band to come on up. I'd like to talk to you about some possible next steps. Say a couple more words. They're there on your connection card. You can check off one of these boxes if you want, but the main thing is to think about it. Wrestle with that statement I made earlier. Wrestle with it for yourself. and Think about, what am I going to do about this? Do I buy this? And if I do, what do I need to do about it? What kind of help do I need to get? What do I need to stop? What do I need to start? A couple possibilities. One, it may be that you don't know Jesus. Maybe you've heard of him. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you never heard of him. But you don't have a personal relationship with him. And that is where it starts. So your step today could be to put yourself in God's hands. And the way you do that is by making Jesus Christ the boss of your life. Maybe you've already done that. And then I would suggest that maybe you want to ask God to show 
you the areas of self-dependence that you're holding on to, that are making trouble for you as you do that, and to rely on God instead of your own self-effort. You could pray something very simple. When you do this regularly, from the heart, you'll start to see changes in your life. You could say, you know what, God, I'm trying to do this without you. I need your help. Please give me the wisdom to know what to do and the courage to do it. And you can repeat that. We can repeat that over and over again and walk with Jesus through life. Now, what would it look like if all the people in your life did this? That would be a whole different experience of community and relationships and just living here, right? What if, what if better yet, some of the people that were doing that were doing that because of seeing your example. They picked up some of that from you. It's seen as you had walked with God carefully, little by little, letting him be in charge, taking responsibility, of course, for the things that he's given you to be responsible for, but letting him decide the outcomes, letting him be in charge. And they saw you, and they wanted to do that more and more themselves. What would that look like? That would that'd be pretty amazing. So, I'm going to pray for us, and then the band is going to lead us in some more music, and we'll continue on. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I feel that personally this is very difficult for me. I take some, some steps that help, that I think are in your direction, and yet, if I'm not walking with you day by day, sooner or later, I'm off on my own again. And then I'm wondering why it doesn't work out the way I want it to work out. And I get frustrated. And I'm so thankful that you remind me that I need to be doing things your way and I need to be pursuing you. I, I believe that that's true for everybody here. And so I ask you to help each of us to pursue you instead of depending on ourselves. And that means different things for different of different ones of us as we move out into the next week of life. But I pray that you would show us very specifically what we can do and where we can get the help from you and from our community here to move forward into the best kind of life, the one that you're offering us. We pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.